I appreciate, Jordan, you starting off reading from Jeremiah. I was reading earlier today from Jeremiah, and Jeremiah has so much to say about the idea of Sabbath. And so that's what we're going to dig into tonight. We're in part two of what is Sabbath. And, uh, and tonight we're going to look at more the, the why God gave us Sabbath and how we should Sabbath, and then what happens if I just choose to not Sabbath. And so I'm Thomas Nelson. If we haven't met, I'm one of the ministers on staff here at Christ Covenant, one of the pastors. Every church uses different language. So I'm at the six-month mark. So if I say minister versus pastor, it's like, hey, it's all right. It's the same thing. Uh, but as we dig in, I want to I want to pray for us, and then I have a litany of scriptures that I'm hoping will be very clear when we're all done, but Sabbath is quite a thread through the Bible, so let's pray that the Lord will speak to us clearly and powerfully tonight. Father, we ask that you would speak to us here on this Tuesday night about this idea and this command, this thing you've given us called Sabbath. Help us to see it as a gift. Help us to see it as attainable and help us to obey you in this command. And Lord, may we be blessed by obeying this command and spending a day a week drawing near to you. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. So the idea that we start off with is introduced in Genesis chapter 2. If you want to just take notes, if you want to look these up, that's great. They probably won't be on the screen because I'm going to buzz through a bunch of different passages. So Genesis chapter 2, the first three verses, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. So you get a six-day week. We talked about last week. We're, we're into the what is Sabbath right now. We're going to get into the why in just a second. Just a quick review. So Sabbath, the word Sabbath, you didn't hear it in that passage unless you can uh, translate on the fly English to Hebrew because when I say the word rest, what you should hear is the word Shabbat. The word Shabbat is Sabbath. So if you've ever been to Israel, anybody been to Israel? Anybody? All right. Four, five of us. That's right. Um, Heather and I have been on five trips to Israel, and uh, I'm hoping we'll get to pull off one of those before too long. Maybe get to go with some of you. But uh, the coolest thing in the world is to pull into Jerusalem at about 6 p.m. on a Friday, and you start hearing people say, Shabbat Shalom. And you're like, right on. And you're, if you're new, you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. Then you go to your hotel, and you go to the hotel, and the elevator doors are open. And you look up, and it says Shabbat elevator. And you're like, why is that elevator door open? And why is the button permanently lit? And, uh, and so you step on. Like, it closes if there's not an elevator ready, by the way. But you step on the elevator, and all the buttons are lit, like in Elf. Like all the buttons are lit and you just go until it stops at every floor. When it gets to your floor, you're like, I guess I get off. And nobody tells you what's happening here, but it's because the Jews to this day, the devout Jews, practice Sabbath by literally doing no work. Driving a car is considered work. So at about 5.30 on a Friday, you'll see cars pulled off on the side of the road where people are like, well, because of traffic, we'll never make it to our spot, so we'll just walk from here. 
And so you'll see a car, and that car will stay there until Saturday at about 5.30 or 6 when Shabbat is over. And Shabbat means rest. Now, if all of Atlanta did that, if we were just like, we're shutting down on Sunday, for just a second, you would be mad, and then you would be like, yeah, let's shut this place down. That's incredible. Like, you mean, if you're like your boss couldn't say, by the way, I need that thing by 2 p.m. on Sunday. Like, they couldn't say it. Any amens? Like, nobody would be happy about that? I'm like, yeah, that would be an amazing moment right there. But we don't live, thank you, Katie said amen, yes. So we don't live in that world, though, but the thing is, the world could still exist in you in a way because I know that God through the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to live out this command. But the Shabbat comes from this word where on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested. He did Shabbat. And so we get the idea of Sabbath. That's the transliteration. That's how you say that word in English. That's the, the transliteration. So Sabbath, what is it? It's a day of rest in its most simple form. That's what Sabbath is. It's a day of rest. It's not working. So if you're like, well, when we get to like how Sabbath in a few minutes, like one of the hows is clearly like don't do your regular work on that day. By the way, I love these series that we're doing. I like uh, that we did a work series that we just finished up. I'll never do one of those again because Heather quit her job. And so like we won't do that again. That's a real thing. Heather, my wife, she like, she listened to the series. You know, if you marry the guy that preaches, you don't always listen um, because like you hear him talk all the time, like you live with him. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, uh, she heard me do the first one, then she heard Jason do the second one. Jason's our, our senior pastor, if you haven't been at Christ Covenant long. And then she heard the panel where Russell Moore was on the panel. And then she read that stupid book, Garden City, by John Mark uh, Comer. And I was like, don't ever, don't, I'm never recommending that book to anybody. She went through all that and she was like, Thomas, I just don't think my job is uh, giving life. I don't think it's where I need to be with the Lord. And I was like, what does that mean? And, uh, and so, well, you see what it means now. I can think of a lot of reasons why I'm never doing another series like that. Uh, they all start with dollar marks. But anyway, uh, no, we're real excited, though, because, we're, because she realized in that series, like, work should give life, but your life shouldn't be work. And if your life is work, something's broken. That's not how God intended it to be. He intended for us to work. He worked six days, but he gets one of them. And so, these days in the Jewish calendar start at sunset. So technically, welcome to Wednesday. So this would be like there was evening and there was morning. There was a Wednesday. So tomorrow at this time, we're rolling into Thursday. So for Heather and I, I start my Sabbath on Thursday evenings. And because I'm off on Fridays. So Thursday evening, that's when I start my Sabbath. And I try to go for a 24-hour period. Now, if I'm doing somebody's wedding, um, if I'm doing something that's going to take up a Friday night, I try to just think, okay, is that life-giving? Does it feel like work? Does it not? And I'm not going to tell you if yours did or didn't feel like work if I did your wedding, but, um, or your cousin's wedding or whatever. Like, uh, but I just try to figure that out. And I try not to make a big deal of it. I try not to tell the whole world, like, actually, I'm working right now. Um, because then people are offended. But sometimes, though, it changes, and it can shift throughout the week. That's one of the permissions we get in the New Testament. But the idea is that we have a day of rest. 
Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It's been a theme verse that we've been in all year this year, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. That's where Jesus says to come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why wouldn't you want rest for your souls? So not only is Sabbath a day in the Old Testament, Sabbath, if you go to Leviticus 25, if you're having a hard time sleeping tonight, I encourage you to read Leviticus 25. The whole chapter is devoted to Sabbath. Anybody doing the 90-day read through the Bible in the room? There's a bunch of you. That's awesome. 90-day read through the Bible. If you've gotten to Leviticus yet, Leviticus 25 might have been one of the ones you tuned out and you were just like, I'm just going to get through this. The whole chapter is about Sabbath. And not only did did the Jews have a Sabbath day, They had a Sabbath year. Every seventh year, you couldn't till the ground. So what does that mean? That means on the sixth year, you better pray like really hard that you get a bunch of crops that you can store up for the seventh year. The Lord knew this would be hard, and so he told the people, he said, by the way, if you'll honor me in the six years, I'll give you enough food in the six year to last for three years. You mentioned rain and God, and there it goes. Uh, and so, you, uh, you, he, he, it, uh, the rain is so distracting to me. That's great. We should go outside and talk about how God gives rain. But the idea is that every seventh year you trusted God for the six years to come and the six years behind. The idea today is once a week you trust God enough with your work that you can take a day off. Those of you that are finishing up college, you trust God enough with your school that you can take a day off. You trust God enough with your friends that you can take a day off without having to do everything that they're all doing. That's one of the hardest things I think to Sabbath from, by the way. What if I miss out? Like what if they play tennis without me? What if they meet up and -and so-and-so likes so-and-so and and I don't get to like so-and-so because so-and-so likes so-and-so now? Well, part of Sabbath is trusting God with all those things. So it's a day, it's a year, but also, Every 50 years, you have what's called the year of Jubilee. So if you were Jewish, you would go for seven years and have a Sabbath year. Then you go another seven. You would do that seven times in a row. So 49 times you would have your Sabbath year. But on the 50th year, you would have your Sabbath year before that. And the second year, you would also Sabbath. So imagine God commanding you, you can't go back to work for two years. And he also commanded you, Eric Odom, you bought that house from those people down the road. They still own that house. So on the 50th year, you get to give them back their property. You people over here, you made some bad business dealings. You're in poverty now or something happened to your crops. You're no longer in poverty. We're erasing it. Every 50th year, the year of Jubilee, all the people were created equal again. So what does that show us? That shows us that Sabbath is also not just us trusting God, but it's us being benevolent to each other, which is why in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 12 and Mark chapter 4, Jesus said to people, in Mark chapter 2, I'm sorry, Jesus said to people, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and what is good to do on the Sabbath? It is good to do good on the Sabbath. That's what's lawful to do. So 
Why Sabbath? That's my next question, and that's where we're really, really getting going today. Somebody said last week, one of your questions to me was, isn't Sabbath archaic? So I looked up the word archaic because I thought, I don't know, maybe it's archaic if we're going to be like denotatively correct. Is it archaic? Archaic actually means uh, that it's gone. It's like what you people say, some of you people say about skinny jeans, like they're archaic, and I disagree. But like, it's supposed to like, you know, cargo shorts, we'll all agree, those are slightly archaic. Meaning like if you bust those out on your first date, it will be your last date also. Like it's, it's archaic. We just don't do that anymore. Now I love me some cargo pants, but, uh, but Heather has banned them all. And so I think the idea of Sabbath is not archaic. The idea of Sabbath is just old. It's not gone, it's just old. Just because something's old doesn't mean we toss it. Just because something's Old Testament doesn't mean we toss it. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you do away with the smallest letter, the jot and tittle, those are two grammatical terms in Hebrew. He said, if you do away with the smallest letter, the least stroke of a pen, those are, those are called jots and tittles. They're little tiny marks that you might not even know to put in there if you were writing down some Hebrew letters, so be careful about your Hebrew tattoos. If you, uh, if you, you didn't know those were supposed to be in there, you might be like, ah, whatever, it's just a typo. He said if anybody does away with even the smallest little letter, they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So what does apply in the Old Testament? Well, there's three laws in the Old Testament. There's the ceremonial law. Well, we're not Jewish pre-Christ, so we don't have to live out the ceremonial law. There is the civil law. We don't live in Israel. We live in the U.S., and so we can't carry out the civil law. The third type of law is called the moral law, and that, my friends, we carry out. Anybody uh, who quoted the Ten Commandments earlier? Nobody quoted them? Somebody give us the Ten Commandments. Ashley, can you do it in the back? Let's hear it really loud. Wait, really loud. Say it again. Love God first, no idols. That's right, Sabbath fourth, that's the rest. Honor father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And and the last one is don't covet. Now, way to go, Ashley, yeah. So I think you got to ask the question, like, why, if you're going to ask the question, why Sabbath? Like, why do it? I think since it's counted in the top 10, you got to ask questions like, why not murder? Like, why not commit adultery? 
Why not steal a bunch of stuff? Now, those are all good questions to ask, like why wouldn't God want us to do these things? And so the why Sabbath, I really think the why of Sabbath is found in two chapters, in two different passages. So take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 20, and then mark that, and then turn to uh, Leviticus, I'm sorry, not Leviticus, turn to uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. So Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And here's what I'm going to get you to do with, uh, with your closest pals around you. I'm going to get you to read these two passages to each other real quick. And I want you to see if you can figure out part of the why. Why do we, why do we Sabbath? So Exodus 28 through 11 and Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Exodus 28 through 11 and Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. And by the way, I'll just go ahead and tell you, the whole answer is not for rest. If the whole answer was for rest, we'd probably have the Hebrew word for vacation in there. Sabbath is rest, but why do we rest? So, ready? Exodus 28 through 11, Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Ready? Go. Let's take a look at these two passages. So, in Exodus chapter 20, Remember the Sabbath day, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days... You, for in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh, Sabbath day, and he made it holy. And then when we, uh, when we take a look at the account in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, which I thought I had marked, but I guess I didn't. Yes, I do have it marked. Here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says that... Uh, Observe the Sabbath to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. You shall not make, or, or you, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of the livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your, that your male and female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And then both sections go into the rest of the Ten Commandments. And I think we have to ask the question, so why Sabbath? And that leads us into how Sabbath. Now, this is interesting. For hundreds of years, the Jewish rabbis, the priest, would wrestle over what is work. And so there's a newlywed couple on the front row there. Let's say, let's say Ellen Carter and, oh, man, you got like a clap. That was really good. Newlywed couple on the front row. Yeah, there we go. All right. So let's say, let's say Merritt finds, uh, finds cutting the grass to be disgusting. And let's say Ellen Carter finds cutting the grass to be life-giving. And so they're very, very devout, very, very religious. They would have major arguments over are they committing 
sin on the Sabbath when one of them is doing the work the other one despises. But you know what? It's Sunday, and like they can do what they want as long as they're not working. They know they shouldn't work, but now what is work? And so they would get into all kinds of rules. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, for 1,500 years to be closer to exact, until the time of Jesus came to earth, they would argue and argue and argue, what is, what is keeping the Sabbath? What is keeping the Sabbath? What is keeping the Sabbath? And so for most folks, they would say, why Sabbath? Because God stopped working, so we stopped working. And for some reason, God gets really mad if we work when he didn't work. But I think they totally missed the point. And I think when Jesus came, he set the record straight. In both accounts, there's all similarities with one set of differences. In the Exodus account, Moses tells the people through the Holy Spirit, through God, he says, don't work on the seventh day. Because I want you to remember that God did all his work in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Then you get to the Deuteronomy account, and Moses says one little thing different. And in Deuteronomy, God says, don't work for six days. On the seventh day you rest, because remember when you were slaves in Egypt, and God delivered you out of that bondage. I think when you ask the question, like, why Sabbath? What is, not, is, is resting, but why? It's to remember. Both passages were commanded, don't work and remember. So one day a week, what do I do? When we get into the how Sabbath, I think when it comes to how Sabbath, what do I do? I remember. I used to be a slave. What did we just sing? I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. I used to be a slave. I used to be in a crazy, uh, twisted mess. I used to be uh, this. I used to be that. You fill it in with whatever your cardboard testimony is. Uh, I was addicted. I was lonely. I was this. I was uh, incredibly sinful. I was incredibly prideful. I was whatever your cardboard testimony is. One day a week, God wants to take us back and say, remember when I delivered you. Remember what I've done for you. And I think we have permission in the scriptures for that to change a little bit. Initially, it was remember all that God did, and then he quit. He rested. And then uh, uh, 40 years later, when Deuteronomy is coming about, Moses tells the next generation of people, remember, you used to be slaves. And so what do we do? One day a week, we stop and we say, God, what have you done? And so I think when it comes to the how of, ha uh, of Sabbath, I think it's the hidden word in the text in Deuteronomy 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, and the hidden word is remember. And one day a week, we remember, and God invites us. In Mark chapter 2, he says that the Sabbath, that, that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. I was not made for this chair. Like, God didn't say, Thomas, I'm going to make you fit a chair. That's kind of a mean joke. But somebody made this chair for someone kind of my size, right? Like, in general. And so, one day a week, I get to sit down in this gift of a day that God gave me. And on Thursday evenings when I get home, 
I sit down for 24 hours in this gift of a day that God gave me. And it's awesome. And I usually start remembering, like, what's, what has taken place this week? Usually there's like a person or a thing that I get really annoyed with. And by Thursday, I'm like really annoyed with. And I think, Lord, you've made one foolish person in the world and they're in my life. Like, you ever have that thought? You know, something like that. I'm just letting you like permission into my mind. Uh, or I can't believe that person did that. Or I don't know how to solve this problem. And usually on Sabbath, I sit down with the Lord and I say, this is kind of a big deal. And then I hang out with Heather a little bit. Like, I might watch a movie. I might work out. I love to have a crazy hard workout on Thursday evenings. I'm like, I'm going to sweat. I'm going to sweat till I throw up. One Thursday, I was like, I don't feel good now. <laughs> and so, because I hadn't worked out in a while. But anyway, but it was, a, it was a bad moment. But I just, I love it. And you know what? It's not work to me. It's great. A lot of times on Fridays, I get up and I'll go for a run. And then I'm like, I will now conquer the yard and like, I love it. And I'm out there cutting grass and I, all of a sudden I'm like even more worked up about that person or that situation or that thing. And I think I don't have to think about it today. I'm not working. But for some reason, it's not working at that point. It's me communing with the Lord about that thing. And eventually my thoughts start to shift and I'll have a longer quiet time that morning and my thoughts will start to shift and they kind of start to shift in an Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5 way. And I start to ask the question, not what have I been up to, but God, what have you been up to? And you know what happens? I start to become smaller. And the Lord starts to become bigger. And I start to realize that I don't live forever and he is. I start to realize that I'm not that important, and he is. I start to realize that, like, the world doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around him. It's his story, not my story that's being written. I'm a player in his narrative that's going on. And it seems like by about Friday at 4 o'clock, it's amazing, some, somewhere between 2 and 4 p.m. on Fridays, reset has been hit. Now, I might be covered with sweat and dirt and whatever else and been in the yard and been to three trips to Home Depot and what, you know, all kinds of, people might look and think, oh, he's like working. But I'm not here and I'm not here. I'm letting him work. And it is amazing how by the time the sun goes down on Friday, reset has been hit. And Saturday morning, I wake up, and it's like, I'm ready to go again. And it's just the most incredible gift that I have been invited to join, and so have you been invited to join. And if you want to wrestle over, is it a New Testament thing or not, wrestle over all the other nine commandments as well. Jesus didn't do away with the moral responsibilities of following him as a New Testament Christian. He did away with the ceremonial stuff and the civil stuff, but the moral stuff, he, he refines us to be more and more like him in all of those areas. And so that's, that's how I Sabbath, but it may not be how you Sabbath. I start at sunset. You can start whenever, but I would say you need to have one. 
And I would say it's okay if you're the only one of your roommates that has one. I would say it's okay if you're the only one of your family that has one. I would say it's okay if you have to just be a rebel and be like, no, I'm not working today actually, ha ha. Like, it's okay. Some people quit their jobs. Uh, like, you know, like, I mean, I think that, I really think that it's okay for us to be a little bit extreme in this, but what are we asking you to be extreme in? Like extreme and enjoying the Lord for one day, and what are you really doing while you're enjoying him? You're trusting that he can take care of all the other stuff going on, and I promise you that he can take care of all the other stuff going on. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Some of you are stressing over relationships and work and everything else, and you're like, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. It's going to fall apart at some point if you're the only one doing it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It doesn't matter if you have Simply Safe or Ring or whatever else. If the Lord's not watching over your house and he wants somebody to come in, they're going to come in. It doesn't matter how secure your pipeline is. It doesn't matter how secure your beef market is. If people want to crack themselves in, they can get in unless the Lord says, no, I'm not going to do it. So, but here's the, here's the follow-up verse to that. It is in vain, Psalm 127, verse 2, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to bed, eating the bread of anxious toil. And I love how this line wraps up. Because God gives sleep to his beloved Let him carry your stuff one day a week. What? Like, it's the easiest sell I can give you. Like, he's saying, take a day off and just rest in him. And you say, well, well Thomas, that's great. But what if I don't Sabbath? Well, I think that's a great question to ask. What if you don't? Most Christians don't Sabbath. Most ministers don't Sabbath. And so what if you don't Sabbath? You'll probably still live 70 or 80 years, maybe 90. You might have a bunch of money. You might have a pretty successful family. Like, you'll probably be okay for the most part, except you'll never be a whole person. You can never really talk about how the hand of God totally enraptured your life and how you had ultimate trust in him when it seemed like that was the last thing you ought to do. You're going to miss the Lord's blessing in your life, and you might incur the Lord's wrath in your life, but you won't be able to pinpoint why because you're so busy. And you'll be like, but I go to church and I'm in a small group and I do all the stuff. I can't figure out what's wrong, what's broken. Now, if you like went around as a gunslinger and just like mowed people down and you were like, you know, Hallie the murderer or whatever, like you would have some pretty significant ramifications for that. But if you're like Frank the Sabbath breaker, like there doesn't seem to be quite as much wrong with that. But I promise you, your life will not be whole. It will have brokenness in the foundation to the core, but you'll be so busy you'll never know why. And you'll start to wonder at some point if this Jesus thing is even real, because you sure don't see him in your life as much.
Let me just give you a brief history of Israel to wrap this up. Let me show you a map of the kings of Israel, of the, of the whole thing. So we got the creation. I like this one because it's in color, and I like colors. You got Adam and Eve all the way to Nehemiah, which is the end of the Old Testament there. Malachi, the last little prophet there at the bottom. And so follow the squiggly line, if you will. Let's get to the, uh, let's get to the squiggly spiral downhill. The squiggly spiral downhill is really the time of the judges. And that's the book that ends when it says, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And, uh, and it was a bad, bad moment for the folks in Israel because they fell away from God. And then, then they started to say, God, if we just had a king, if we just had a king, we could follow your commands. And so God gave him Saul, and Saul served himself, not the people. But then King David, you see King David at the top, the pinnacle? Do you see the line after the pinnacle? You see what this is? This is a moral graph. David comes in and things are great. David danced before the Lord. Like David Crowder wrote a song about it, you know? Like he, like he danced before the Lord. I, I will not be ashamed. Uh, and so I won't sing it, but anyway, I wanted to. In my mind, I'm definitely singing that right now, but I'm stopping. So David, David danced before the Lord. He carried the ark into Jerusalem. He wanted to build the temple. Solomon, his son, built the temple. And then you see how the graph goes down. It spirals down and down and down until, if you can see at the top, it says there is the exile in Babylon. It's near the end. It's right above the, where the red lines at the bottom start, the exile in Babylon. Well, that exile in Babylon lasted 70 years. Those 70 years are an interesting, interesting number. And you can do all kinds of look, looking around in the scriptures in... Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 25, it says that the land's going to be desolate for 70 years. There's a prophecy about this 70 years. The 70 years is super significant. Jeremiah prophesies about it. All A ton of the minor prophets talk about this 70 years. It's a specific amount of time that God says, for 70 years, I'm going to take you out of the promised land. I'm going to put you in exile in Babylon, and that's where you're going to live for 70 years. And they keep saying this number 70, and they say 70, and they say 70, and then you get to this really, really obscure verse, 2 Chronicles 36, 21. And in 2 Chronicles 36:21 it says in the words of Jeremiah God will exile his people until the land gets its sabbaths back so let's have a math problem 70 years I think I've got it on the next slide there Brandon I think it's there yeah so 70 years times 365 days, that's 25,550 days. If we take 25,550 days and divide it by 52, which is how many Sabbaths are in a year, we get 491 years. Now, let's go one more slide, Brandon. If we take a look at this graph for 490 years, the people of God did not Sabbath. Moses, all the way back in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, said if you don't take a Sabbath rest, he gave all the reasons why they should take a Sabbath rest, and then he said if you don't, God said, I'm going to get my Sabbath from you. 
Now listen to me. You're not going to hear this taught in very many New Testament churches, but I believe it with all my heart. If you don't Sabbath, I really think God will take his Sabbaths from you somehow. For 490 years, these people were like, it's not a big deal. Nobody's doing it. Who cares? I don't really need to stop and remember the Lord. I need to keep producing. I don't really need to have a year of jubilee where I'm benevolent to the poor people or I give their land back and those things. I don't really need to do that. Every seventh year, are you kidding? Don't really plow the crops. God must not have really meant that. He must have really meant something else. I'm sure that was figurative. And so for 490 years, not even David, who was the one of the godliest kings that they had, not even David, made them Sabbath. And so what happened? God sent the prophets, and he warned them over and over and over again. He said, Sabbath, come back to me. Sabbath, come back to me. Sabbath, come back to me. And you know what they heard? They heard, obey one of the Ten Commandments. Don't work one day a week. And what God was saying was, no, no, no. When you don't Sabbath, your heart wanders just spend one day a week coming back to me and I'll take care of all the other stuff. And all they heard was obey the command, obey the command, obey the command. And so for 490 years, they said, we don't need the command. But what happened for 490 years, their hearts wandered further and further and further from the Lord. You see, the commands of God are not burdensome. It's a good command. And God was true to his word from Moses and Leviticus through Jeremiah and many other prophets, if you don't stop, I'll make you stop. Johnny Hunt, who's a pastor in the Atlanta area up in Woodstock, pastored a big giant church called First Woodstock over Georgia. I'm kidding. But if you've seen the building, it looks like it's like giant. It's an enormous church. And, uh, and he was friends with my old pastor, and Johnny got colon cancer. And he had to quit preaching. He had to quit traveling. He had to quit doing all this stuff. And in a closed-door conversation, he told my old pastor, he said, Bryant, he said, I think God gave me this cancer. And Bryant said, what are you talking about? He said, I never stopped. He said, I had the energy, I had the strength, I just kept going and going and going, I never stopped. He said, I think God made me stop. And for months, he had to have surgery and treatment and all the things, and he had to stop. Now he's back and he's working for, I think, the North American Mission Board and doing a lot of great ministry. But I think he learned his lesson, like, it's better to stop and be with God than to think I can do it all. I want to wrap up with just a quick little parallel verse that I think is a really beautiful, uh, a really beautiful verse. In, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah says uh, to the people in chapter 6, thus says the Lord, stand at the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find a rest for your souls. Jesus, in a very similar statement, said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. 
Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jordan's going to lead us in a couple of closing songs this evening as he and the band come and lead us. I'm going to invite you to do something that we don't often say, I think, enough. I would invite you to repent of not trusting the Lord with just a small part of your week and letting him take care of all the stuff while you remember the good things he's done for you. It's a sin. And if we've been living in that sin of I can do it, I got to accomplish, I got to achieve, I got to do it. If I don't do it, it'll never happen. We've lost our trust in God. And as Christians, that's the basis of our faith. It's faith. It's trust in his goodness and his grace. Lord, would you move in our hearts this evening? Would you help us to just repent of thinking we're bigger than we are and stronger than we are? When, Lord, you are God and we are not, and you give us a gift to pull away and Sabbath and rest and remember you while you, Lord, give sleep to those you love and everybody else runs around. Lord, would you move in our hearts as we sing and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.